Welcome to the Vancouver Tech Podcast. This is episode 88. I'm your host, Drew O'Grizzik. Samantha Ming from the Events Podcast. What's going on this week? Hey, Drew. Lots of great events this week. On Tuesday, the Google Developer Group is having a presentation on how you can build Slapbox on Kubernetes. Kubernetes is an open source platform designed to automate deploying and scaling your application containers. It's at 6 o'clock at Slack's head office. But if you're interested in startups, you can attend Startup Basics for Techies. It's at 6.30 at the Profile. On Wednesday, YVR Startups is having another presentation on crushing it on social media. It's a crash course focused on succeeding on Facebook and LinkedIn. It's at 7 at the History Office. Moving on to Thursday, we have two events happening. You can attend Vancouver iDevelopers presentation and networking event at Hootsuite at 5.30 or learn about data science by doing Kago competitions. This is at SFU Harbor Center at 6 p.m. Finally, on Saturday, Ladies Learning to Code is back with their HTML and CSS for Beginners course. Learn how to build a multi-page website from scratch. This starts at 10 a.m. at Mobify. And that's this week's top events you should check out. We're here with Brittany Whitmore from Xvera Communications. Thank you very much for joining us, Brittany. Thanks so much for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what is Xvera all about? Absolutely. So I'm here in the tech industry. I specialize in communications. I previously worked with a startup called Procurify, and now I do PR and communications, thought leadership, and I work with innovative companies, everything from 3D printing to crowdfunding to um, virtual reality. Um, that's, I absolutely love taking complicated, you know, maybe a little bit challenging topics for the average person and making them really simple, really easy to understand and telling great stories about innovation and entrepreneurs and uh, also about amazing women when I get the chance. Um, I do a few, quite a few other things in the community as well. I have a TEDx event called TEDx Guest on Women. I do the, I'm a, the radio show on Roundhouse. I'm a resident tech panelist there. And um, I'll just do a lot of uh, volunteering in the community, support women in tech and uh, youth in tech as well. So you're actually super active in the tech community in Vancouver. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what keeps you going, what keeps you motivated? Uh, how do you, how are you involved in so many things? That's a great question. I think there's a few things in particular that do motivate me. I love it when I can see results from something. Um, and I mean, that is one of the projects I'm involved in is the Veneta Project. And we support female tech founders and help them get investment and, um, you know, just exposure and resources and access. And one of the amazing things about that is to be able to see how we've actually helped someone. So we hosted this founder funder dinner and we actually saw investment come out of that. So seeing results is something that really gets me excited. And just the momentum, it just seems to keep building. I find that at the beginning, I was like, push, push, push. And now it's almost as if the community is pull, 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 pulling me along with it. And there's always something new and exciting going on that I just, it's a good thing I have a lot of energy, I suppose. <laughs> I guess that old uh, getting the ball rolling adage kind of rings true once you get something started. That's so true. So uh, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now. Absolutely. So my main focus right now is just growing my communications client base. So 
innovative companies, awesome entrepreneurs. I love telling your stories. Uh, so that's my main focus. And then I, my, on the periphery of that, uh, is TEDx for sure. We've done two conferences so far, both of them totally sold out. It's TEDx Gas Town Women. We have all female speakers and we cover all sorts of topics. Our first two conferences, their themes were fearless. And then the next year was power. And we're just in the midst of getting ready to launch our next event and it'll be in November and, uh, stay tuned for the, this year's theme. Um, and then I was hoping yeah. for a, a sort of a, a preview or a sneak peek into oh, this year's theme. Sneak peek. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that sounds really awesome. So what's it like organizing a TEDx? Yeah, you know, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was just an idea that I had. I was literally sitting on my couch around Christmas time. It must have been Christmas, oh, I guess uh, 2014. I'm sitting on my couch and think I was working in Procureify at the time. And I was sitting like, you know what? I wanted, I want to do something in the community. It's like, oh, what could I do? And I remember that somebody, I went to Langara and somebody there had done a, a small TEDx Langara. And I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. I wonder what's involved. So did the application for TED. It's like 11 pages. They ask you questions like, what are you passionate about? And who might speak? And who might partner? And, you know, that sort of thing. And just this whole vision of your event. And I submitted it. And they said, yes. It's like, holy moly, now I actually have to do it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the thing with TEDx Women is you don't have a lot of freedom over when your the dates of the event are because you have to host it within 24 hours of actual TED Women, which typically takes place in California. So um, what, the first year we did it, I got a Approved and then found out, hmm, we have to host it in two and a half months. All right, <laughs> let's uh, build a team. And, you know, it was it went really fast and I found some amazing people and amazing partners. And I couldn't believe how many people wanted to be involved. But uh, but it went great and it sold out and was huge success. The response to the community was incredible. But, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of work, but it's it's absolutely been worth it. And it's 100 percent volunteer driven. Even as the licensee and executive director, I I'm also a volunteer on the event. And that's just the nature of what TEDx is. But I have to say it's absolutely been worth it. So how many people would be involved in seeing something like that actually come together? Great question. So our team has been anywhere from 12, about 12 core members, I would say. There's a few less that are hyper involved. I have one or two kind of right hand ladies that help me out with the stuff that I'm not so good at. There's this one, one of the amazing women, her name's Amy, and she is literally the piece of my brain I am missing. Um, so we have a few core people and then a few greater core people on that round 12 person team. And then on day of, I'd say anywhere from, you know, 60 to 70 volunteers on the day of for last year, where we had uh, 360 attendees at the Imperial. So top 30, under 30. <laughs> what does it take to uh, to get there? Other than being under 30, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and I just barely made that too. I have an early birthday. So I just uh, just snuck in with the with the 29 there. Um, but yeah, that was that was a huge honor for me. I mean, I, I've always kind of dreamed on being one of those lists. So when I found out I was nominated, I, you know, I kind of freaked out. I was like, Oh, my God. And it was quite a process actually getting to the final 30. So you, you find out you're nominated and then they send you this application form and you have to fill out all these questions talk about your businesses talk about your work in the community and you send it in and then you don't hear anything and then they write you back and they're like hey you're a finalist we're going to interview you and then we're going to set up a photo shoot it's like okay can't mess either of those up did the phone interview totally feel like i messed it up it's like oh my gosh they're never going to take me now um but then i still got a sign up for the photo shoot did the photo shoot 
and I wound up getting in, but it was it was a huge deal, especially for me. So a lot of people don't know this, but before I was in marketing and tech and everything, I actually was a model and I worked in Europe and I worked with like Dolce & Gabbana and Guess and all kinds of things like that. So I've been in magazines before, but to be in a magazine for, you know, your accomplishments and your intelligence and your, you know, that sort of thing, rather than, hey, you look good in this dress, let's put you in a magazine. That was, that made it particularly meaningful for me. To be actually recognized for Yeah, yourself, to be you like, hey, you're here not because like, oh, you look good in this dress we want to sell, but it's about, hey, you know what? You worked really hard and you've done something, you know, relatively extraordinary, I suppose, um, and really made an impact on the community. So that that was really meaningful for me. Well, congratulations. It's a it's an excellent accomplishment. Um, so also, you're a technology columnist for Business in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that was exciting. That kind of came about. So I had been doing my work with Roundhouse Radio, where we have a weekly show. I'm on it about every other week, and I do that with Hussein Halak and Kirk LaPointe. And we discuss sort of regular, just topics of the day, relevant stuff to the community, because Roundhouse is hyper-local, but also just things that are happening on the greater scheme in the technology industry. And from that, um, I kind of spun it into expanding my reach, as I suppose you could call it a media personality, expanding my reach into a column for business in Vancouver. And, um, you know, I do piece from time to time. And uh, it's uh, it's great. I Anywhere I can tell a story, it makes me happy. Very cool. So if uh, going back to the Roundhouse Radio, uh, if we wanted to listen to that, when would that be out? Yeah, it happens uh, Thursday evening. So every other Thursday evening, I'm I'm on the show there on Roundhouse. I believe it's 98.3. 98.3. Okay, good. I'm glad I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's also online afterward, which is which is handy. So because, you know, everyone's into the podcast now, apparently. <laughs> That's kind of true. I think it's that whole on-demand thing that it's makes so it really convenient. So one of the times for me... Where, you know, when I'm walking, um, I, I have maybe a 15 to 20 minute walk mm-hmm. to and from work. And that's a perfect time to listen to a podcast. Yeah. You know what else I find is interesting about that? So I do the same thing. I'm, I'm usually I'm more in the audiobook boat, but I have the occasional podcast I listen to too. I think that it has something to do with our, at least for me, it's about not wanting to waste any time. It's, hey, I have some mental space right now. Can I jam something else in it while I'm doing my dishes or while I'm driving somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a really huge thing. I spent some time uh, when I was living in in Seoul. Uh, I about uh, for a couple of years actually. I spent about an hour and a half to two hours each direction on the train. And um, I I recently went back for a visit, and something that I noticed uh, that was something I actually really really missed was to have that solid you know hour and a half to two hour chunk a couple times a day to just read. Totally. That's really interesting. I used to be a huge reader and then I stopped for a few years. And since I've discovered audiobooks, I've really gotten into it. I wasn't expecting that I would comprehend as well just listening, but it's it's been great and I love listening to them. This is a quick funny story about that, actually. So I love listening to them before I go to bed. Um, so I'll put it on a sleep timer. It plays for like 15 minutes or half an hour and then I fall asleep. And so I had been doing that for months and months and months. And then I was driving up to Whistler and was like, oh, great. I'm going to listen to an audiobook. Or I was driving somewhere and, and you fell asleep while driving well i felt like i was gonna fall asleep because <laughs> this person who reads the books this voice i had now associated with okay it's time to go to sleep and i was just getting so tired driving and so don't do that it- <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I find that that's actually a really interesting thing about how I, I guess the human body works is we really are able to condition ourselves mm -hmm. um, quite easily. And so if you think about that and you make sort of conscious decisions for what you want to be, uh, what you want to condition yourself toward, you can end up becoming quite productive as I guess you already know being uh, top <laughs> of the 30 and very productive. What what do you actually talk about? What sort of topics are there? I guess this is all about tech and the tech scene in Vancouver. Totally. So on the show, we, you know, we, we do try to keep some of it local. Um, the great thing about it is we do have a bit of control over the content, which is quite nice. So usually me and Hussein will recommend a few topics for every week. It was funny when I first, uh, when I first started out, I was so excited because I was still working at Purify when I first started. And I remember running into the office. I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, every week on the radio, they're going to be like, Brittany Whitmore from here. And they're going <laughs> to say the name over and over. I was like, this can be great, guys. Um, but yeah, we Did just- everyone cheer? Yeah, well, some people were excited. <laughs> um, like, you're going to keep saying the name over and over again. Um, but so, so we talk about everything, everything from if there's like when Traction Conference happened, that was pretty, that was actually particularly funny because I was emceeing part of Traction and Hussein was from Launch Academy. He was obviously running part of it. Um, so that was great. They're like, yeah, yeah, you guys can talk about your conference. That's fine. <laughs> but it's also relevant and just, you know, big things that happen. If there's, um, if there's a big hack or if, you know, Apple does something, which, is apparently anything to do with news and or you know if just something something big happens like that we usually talk about autonomous vehicles have been a big topic um yeah it was a lot of fun we did this show around christmas time and it was like what's the i'm not really a gadgety person but it was like what's the gadget that you would try in the new year and i said snapchat spectacles and everybody laughed at me <laughs> have you tried snapchat spectacles? i haven't actually <laughs> which is the saddest part of all <laughs> well i haven't either but uh i also haven't tried snapchat Oh, interesting. But I was in somebody else's first snap. Well, that's that. congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> I um yeah, I you know what? I couldn't really get into Snapchat. Lately I've been using it. You know, here's what got me into it. You know what bitmojis are? You must know what bitmojis are. I uh, I'm pretty sure I've heard the term. Okay. Well, basically, you can make a like a cartoon of yourself and it's your bitmoji. So, I mean, that's fun. Who doesn't want to make a little avatar of themselves? So, we have these bitmojis. And the cool thing is in Snapchat, your bitmoji can actually be in a scene with somebody else's bitmoji. So, that was the original reason I started using it. And now I occasionally will like Snapchat myself singing in the car or something. That sounds pretty awesome. So there's a reason. If you're not on Snapchat, get on so you can see Brittany Whitmore <laughs> <laughs> singing in the car. Totally. Very important. <laughs> Very important. Definitely. Uh, okay. So this year is going to be a pretty big year. You mentioned you are going to... Africa. Yeah. Have you been before? I have never been to Africa before. It's, um, so I'm going, uh, in a couple of weeks, actually. I'm going oh. for, I'm going to Tanzania mm -hmm. and that's like south, um, the south part of the continent. And I'm going for TED Global. So as a TEDx organizer, I, um, I can apply to attend these events. So I've been to TED Global before. The last time I went was in Geneva and Switzerland. And typically tickets to these conferences are like, you know, Probably like ten thousand dollars or right, something. Yeah. Um, and but as a TEDx organizer, you can get that subsidized, and you just have to get yourself there and everything else. So great. So I applied. I got to go. I don't have a lot of excuses to go to Africa. So I was, you know what, Britt? Let's just let's just do it. So I applied, and they approved it. And um, yeah, I'm very excited and very anxious. It was really amazing last time because I got to meet 500 TEDx organizers from all over the world and um, you train with the actual TED team. And in order to upgrade your TEDx license from 100 people 
because when you start, you're only allowed 100 people at your events. But if you want more, you got to train with Ted or go to Ted. And I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to be going to Ted anytime soon. So, but you never know. Um, so, okay, I'll go do this training at the event and then we're able to host a larger one. But yeah, I'm going there. I'm going to do the conference and the training and then stick around a little bit longer, do an African safari and then go to Zanzibar. And, uh, and I went and got all my shots the other week, which was not that fun, but very important. Other than that part, that all sounds super exciting and fun. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. So they're like, okay, here's all the inoculations you need. Oh, and here's some live typhoid pills to start taking. Like, wow, this is so Oregon Trail. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, how long is the flight? Do you know? I'm going to be traveling for, oh man, on the way there, I think it's because I'm going to actually fly out of Seattle because it was so much cheaper. Um, I think I'm going to be traveling for a good 30 hours or something, which is just crazy. <laughs> Are you uh, one of those people that's able to sleep on planes? Fortunately, I'm pretty good at sleeping on planes. I cover my eyes and like take some melatonin and listen to a book and try and curl up. So I'm, I'm, I'm a good sleeper, which I'm quite grateful for, but hope, you know. We'll see. We'll see how it is, how squishy it is in there. I'm pretty tall, too. Very cool. So uh, anything coming up in Vancouver in the tech scene that is particularly interesting that everyone should know about? Absolutely. So actually, um, for those of you who like Whistler, there's a new Sea to Sky Startup Society. And I've actually been recruited to be one of the founding members of Startup Vancouver. And we are partnering with the Sea to Sky Startup Society to produce the what is the official name? It's like the Sea to Sky Summit, I believe. And it's all about wellness and it's all about innovation and how the world will change. And I was fortunate to be invited to curate and direct a panel during the event on the future of marketing and the future of how we experience marketing. And as soon as I heard this, I was just, I was just stoked. I think that the conference is on September, on the weekend of September 22nd. Um, so I'm really excited about this panel though. We are, I mean, if you think about marketing, how much it's just changed in the last 50 years, imagine Imagine in the next 50 years, I actually think between AI and AR, we aren't even going to need to search for anything anymore. If you need something, it's just going to show up. Like, you're not going to have to even go shopping ever. It'll just know, and you'll just end up having whatever you need, and it'll be exactly what you wanted, and you're going to be so happy. It'll be like an assistant. <laughs> Do you ever see that actually happening where uh, you, you have a setting on your credit card or your bank account to just say, you know what? Don't even ask me. You got this. <laughs> you know what? I, you know, I could totally see that being okay for certain things. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's so funny because I booked all this travel stuff, right? And all of a sudden I noticed that different things were sending me like, sure, when you travel, like all these little travel things. Like, okay, so somebody is sharing my information somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, and I suppose you could pretty easily have a surprise me with lunch tomorrow between totally. um, you know, ten and twenty dollars. And if it knows example. what I like, yeah. and if it can see my Google Calendar, it probably knows when I want lunch, where I'm gonna be. It knows probably what I like to eat and and everything else, right? So I actually thought that that would be a really interesting idea for like a dating app. Is if you input your calendars and you could find somebody with like a similar lifestyle to you. And it just auto-matches you, like, sets the reservations for you, everything's just <laughs> maybe, set up, like, so you don't even have to think about it. I was going through a couple of scenarios in my mind, just thinking as we were talking about this, that like how often now I find myself using the uh, auto-response in, um, in yes, Gmail, for example. Yes, me too. Like, wow, you nailed that. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better. I know, it's amazing. Uh, At right. first, I thought it was kind of weird, mm -hmm. and then I was like, that is exactly what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so I wonder, like, is that going to, are we now going to be automating 
you know, gifts for gifts for children, for our loved ones, mm. uh, anniversary reminders. You know, you just get a notification. You totally. already you already have your reservation. Go pick up the gift, or better yet, have it delivered. Totally. <laughs> <You> <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I certainly see us automating more and more of our lives, and it's kind of funny. I remember thinking about this the first time I was ever in a like a self parking car, um, and I was just it just made me think of what my dad would say about this. Like, I'm sure he'd be. Like, oh, nobody knows how to do anything anymore. Like, that's what I would imagine. That's a really, yeah, people always seem to have that sort of approach. Um, I remember, yes, I remember when people first were starting to learn how to read when this new technology came out. Uh, so that's not entirely true. I, I've, I've read some books that were around that time where there was still uh, a vast majority of people were illiterate and people were starting to adopt this. And there was this whole school of thought around, you know, if you learn to read, then you're going to forget all of these words because now you've got this variable to assign it to. You can just look it up at any time, uh, which we know now through, I guess, thousands and uh, yeah. thousands of years of experience that the more you read, you probably remember more of the totally. words. But, um, but the same is kind of true, I think, as well with uh, with software development, you know, programming languages, with um you know, you're reading something, flipping between uh, different pages, doing research on the fly. Our attention spans definitely don't seem as long now. No, definitely not. And just like you were saying earlier, like, you know, listening to podcasts or audiobooks, something to fill that that void when we're walking. Totally. Um, somehow to like get our, our sensory... Uh, just like we got to we got to fill those like stimulus holes. Mm -hmm. That's interesting what you mentioned about the reading part. You know, they don't teach um, cursive writing in school anymore, like handwriting. I didn't know that, but I guess I'm not really too surprised. Yeah. And I mean, I actually, mine was really messy anyway, so. <laughs> well, what's the difference? I mean, what, people are just doing some sort of amalgamation usually between sort of printing That's and so writing. true. That's so true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that it makes sense. Uh, it seems I have this romantic part of me that's like the lost art of handwriting. Well, what about calligraphy or you <laughs> totally. know, using those? Um... I feel like that'll stick around, mm -hmm. you know. As, but it's as always going to be like a specialized sort totally. of thing, like candlemaking. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like candle making. <laughs> I guess it's a little bit sad, but also, is there such a good reason to sort of hold on to the past? Those things tend to become sort of craft or niche sort of fields, That's I think. Point. I wonder if there if there is much to really hold on to, just like, you know, we've lost Latin kind of. Yeah, totally. That's a really interesting point. I was talking about this recently in a post. Um, so I um, I was doing some work with Print the Future. They are a 3D printing company here in Vancouver, and they 3D print furniture. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is if we can just 3D print and then recycle our furniture and get new furniture as we need it, um, there's sort of this... You know, and and then autonomous and then make design autonomous as well. So you don't need all of those steps in between to just fill your place with the pieces that you want. Um, I think that it's just it's really interesting to think about what what do we lose that? Oh, the mill worker. Oh, the you know, the, the finisher and all of these other kind of refined these other refined tasks that go into, say, making a table. I was like, oh, man, it's and then it's kind of sad. But at the same time, I can see how that would have great utility for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I just I think that's going to happen more and more. All of these sort of tasks that we've had to do, they're just going to become increasingly automated. So what do you think uh, about that? I, I hear a lot of people when talking about automation um, say, but I like doing this or but I like mm -hmm. doing that. 
Um, but I love taking out the garbage. It's not <laughs> one of them, but yeah, no, it's a really, it's a really interesting point. And I mean, you kind of hear these theories about the future of how we're going to need you know, things like universal basic income because so many tasks are going to be automated. Like all the people that work at the cash register at the store, a lot pretty much are all going to be automated. And what's going to happen to these people? And how is our society going to change? Are we just going to be, you know, philosophers laying around with robots that do all of our work for us? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I personally like producing things. It's, it makes me really grateful that I do creative work, I would say, because I feel that my strange thoughts couldn't be automated. <laughs> I, I think about this a lot, but uh, yeah, what do you think? What's going to happen if we automate everything? Should we automate everything? Um, and well, I guess coming back to that, the, the sort of basic income uh, mm -hmm. and the need for it. So in some places, I think in Seattle uh, or Washington State, didn't they increase the minimum wage? Right. Um, is that a good thing or is that just pushing um, companies like McDonald's or, or other uh, other companies to automate and to now say, well, now that the minimum wage is going up, uh, it's even cheaper to have a kiosk mm -hmm. instead? Uh, or, or those other things. Um, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? It's such a great question. And I think there's great arguments on both sides. I mean, you know, for the people that are making these wages, you know, they do need to be able to live. And on the other hand, though, like I can understand the company's perspective where, you know what, let's just automate all of this. I do think I think that maybe there will we will end up with a bit of a divide. There will be the retailers and similar service providers that do automate pretty much everything. Um, I actually love the automated stuff. Like I love self-checkout and everything. Um, but then there's going to be perhaps more high-end experiences where people do crave that touch and they do want someone to serve them and help them figure out what sweater to buy and all of that. So I think I think that the, everything in the middle is going to go away. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, I, I can imagine that happening. Um, on the other hand, you know, we we have these minimum wage jobs that uh, a lot of times, you know, if you're if you're uh, in middle school or high school, you can go out and get the, a minimum. Totally, job. I went to Kentucky and, Fried Chicken. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, I mean that's something that people regularly do. So should we have uh, breadwinning adults competing mm. for jobs that um, you know students typically also do? Are we looking at the problem and trying to to, to solve it in a completely uh, in, in a way that doesn't yeah. really make sense. I, I think about that a lot. And then on the other hand, if we were able to automate everything, um, my first thought was, wow, you know, then, then we can have free food and electricity. <laughs> Life is fine for everybody. And like you said, are we all going to be artists and philosophers? Well, maybe if we chose to be, and I'm not very convinced that any other job particularly does better for, for humankind. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you could you could argue that doctors do, totally. or, you know, but um, but I mean, if I choose to go out and, and start a business that just creates money for myself, yeah. and, you know, maybe jobs for other people and an incredible amount of garbage and waste. Yeah. Is that really doing a service to it's Maslow's the hierarchy of needs? Right. Once we have all of our needs met, then the final one is self-actualization. And right. I think that perhaps that does come through helping other people and creating art and learning and expanding the mind. Hmm. Yeah. I, you know what I do think, though, it will be important. I think that 
rethinking the way that we do education is going to be very important rather than filling people's heads with fact. Um, we need to teach people how to be curious and how to solve problems because in the coming years, we're going to encounter problems that we could never have imagined and certainly never trained anyone to solve. So I think that just teaching people more about solving problems rather than we need to make sure we get all of these definitions into this grade six person's head, but teach people that it's okay to make mistakes and that we just need to figure out how to solve problems and learn how to learn. And that kind of ties back into what we were talking about earlier about conditioning and, you know, listening to that audiobook before you go to sleep mm. and then listening to that same audiobook or, or that same <laughs> speaker while driving and, and becoming sleepy is that if we're able to automate all the things, then we could maybe automate education as well. Ooh. But at what point would we be educated enough uh, to make the decision of what to automate to condition ourselves to act, behave, feel and think in what ways? Oh man, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> it sure is. And uh, on that note, for any of our listeners who'd like to catch up with you, uh, maybe follow you on Twitter or reach out to you, what would be a good way to do that? Awesome. So on Twitter, I'm Britt Whitmore, B-R-I-T-W-H-I-T-M-O-R-E. So yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I've also got a couple websites, BrittanyWhitmore.com and XVera.com and TEDxGastownWomen.com for the TEDx event. Very cool. Well, Brittany Whitmore, thank you very much for being on the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Van Tech Podcast. Feel free to leave some comments below. You can also hit us up on the YBR Dev, the Vancouver Tech, the Van Tech Slacks. I'm at James. And I'm at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for hooking us up with an integration that allows us to have a cross-team Slack channel, Van Devs. Do you have a meetup that you want us to plug? Email us, show at vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Music by A Shell in the Pit from the game Parkitect. See you at one of the meetups around, around town. town.